0: So this is another thing I learned from interviewing all these CFOs is they will be really hard on champions who haven't done any homework, and they will be far more lenient on the champions that have done a ton of homework. They've thought about the business case. They've thought about the problem. They've even thought about what spend they can cut from their function. They've thought about the return on investment and whether they're willing to take on additional burden on their PNL to fulfill that investment. And so like, I think it's a big without coming across as like, you don't trust your champion. You've got to kind of test them, right? Like how did this conversation go?
1: Welcome to another episode of the elite selling podcast. We're your hosts, Frankie and Griffin today. We've got a sales legend on the podcast. Chris Orlob Chris is the founder and CEO of pclub.io. Before that, he helped Gong go from 200K to $200 million in ARR. We're talking all things selling through this economic downturn and how to sell into the CFO. We had a great conversation today. So excited to jump into it. All right, Chris, welcome to the Elite Selling Podcast. So excited to have you on here today. Today, we're going to be talking about how to sell through the economic headwinds that we're all dealing with today, and specifically how to sell to the CFO. So Chris, why are you so passionate and excited about this topic today?
0: Because we all sound like donkeys when we're selling to CFOs, <laughs> right? And that's not a hit, That like that's including me like up until like somewhat recently, um, but like... We haven't, unless you're selling NetSuite or or like some intrinsic financial product that the CFO is going to log into, none of us have had to deal with selling to CFOs with any meaningful extent, right? Like sometimes we have to get approval here and there, but like now in today's environment, the CFO, whether you're talking to him or her or not, they're approving just about every deal. I know one CFO who approves any spend that's $3,000 or more. That's insane. And like, we as sales professionals, we're good at a lot of things, right? We're good at like selling a typical deal, but like, I don't know. Have you ever been trained on how to sell us to a CFO?
1: No, this is our training here. we go. And (laughs) so
0: like I am passionate about this because we all suck at it and the demands for doing it well are very high right now. And so we need to get good at that if we're going to continue the previous success we've enjoyed in this tough economy.
2: So Chris, I was fortunate enough to join the webinar you hosted uh, a few weeks ago where you brought on multiple CFOs to talk about how they look at procure, procuring new software, how they look at their existing tech stack, and it was super helpful. What, what prompted you or what piqued your interest to kick that off? Was it qu- fourth quarter of 2022, you were looking at deals becoming a, under more scrutiny? Like walk us through that process of what kicked that off
0: i think there was a number of things there wasn't like a single trigger event so so one of the the earliest thing is like when the economy fell through in q2 q1 of 2020 right like when the, the pandemic started right. um, we started to really dig in on how to do this well at gong and we got good at it it's just the need to do it over an extended period of time diminished because the pandemic was painful economically for like four months and then it skyrocketed and so the need to sell to cfo started to diminish at least like for the next 18 months or so and so everybody forgot about it nobody needed to do it it was like the go-go days of b2b tech right 2021 uh, people were buying in the name of productivity just about anything we didn't even have to be good at selling you just had to be talking to the right person and then of course, a little over a year ago, the, or the economy started to fall through again. Nobody knew how long it was going to be uh, until like six months in, people started to talk about we've got to learn how to sell to CFOs. Salesforce.com put like this big uh, release, and I think like their quarterly earnings report that like their biggest sales training focus for their sales organization was selling to CFOs. I saw a lot of trends like that on like LinkedIn, people were talking about selling to CFOs, but nobody knew how the hell to do it. And then like the, the what's the phrase, the straw that broke the camel's back. Is that, is that? right? That? Nailed <laughs> it, nailed it. <laughs> that thing is I lost a deal on Q4. Okay. Um, I was aligned with the CEO who was like, good to move forward. At the end of the line, the CFO killed it. And you would think like, hey, come on, the CEO gave me a verbal cfo at least when it comes to cash management is the boss right now Mm -hmm. right even even more so than the ceo is like why the hell did the ceo hire the cfo if she's going to tell the cfo what to do when it comes to cash and so that was the final thing i dug in and i was like i am going to master this i i like to think i'm already pretty good at it because of the you know what we went through in in april of 2020 Um, but i started (laughs) to interview cfos i started to talk to enterprise sellers who are good at selling to cfos and i started to Deconstruct the skill patterns, right? Like, what do great salespeople do to sell to CFOs? How do CFOs buy? Uh, and I started to put things together and and teach people. So, let's. Is like that
2: really quick, Frankie? Chris, yeah. is that is that recording of the webinar still out? Because if yeah. if it's if it is, uh, we we definitely want to share it with our audience because I I mean I took I I want to say two to three pages of notes just from that call. It's but not it's publicly
0: available. available. It okay. does exist, but it's in the bonus section of the PClub.io course library. You, you, you gotta buy it. You gotta buy it. There you the
1: go. <laughs> if I, I'm a proud course I'm here. I've been yeah. studying that. It's in
0: long. there though. If you have any of our courses, it's it's in there. You'll see it. It's. uh, it's such a good. Go I mean, check the, it out, they, listeners. Go check it out. Hard, yeah.
1: So, so the so the people are hungry, including me. Give us give us a teaser. You said skill patterns. How do people? How do CFOs buy? Like walk well, us the, the biggest the, down.
0: the biggest thing is like how do you balance the dichotomy between the fact that you as a salesperson want a CFO involved in your deal so that you don't get shut down at the end, and the fact that CFOs don't want to talk to you. And, and what do you do about that? That was one of the questions I asked those, those CFOs who were on the webinar, which was like, <clears throat> the question I posed was, how do we get access to you? And is that even the right question to be asking? And all three of them, uh, as if they were like bulls in a China shop, were like, that's the wrong question. We don't want to talk to sellers. Uh, we see it as the CXO's job, like the champion's job, to advocate for the ch- or for the technology that we want. And I was like, okay, that's fine. That's good. But like the pain salespeople are going through in this economy is the fact that they'll invest a six month sales cycle with your champion. And then they get to the end of the line where they ask you for money and you shut it down. And so like, how do we balance this dichotomy? And the advice that I got back was perfect. They said, first of all, you've got to be very good at coaching your your champions, right? Like you've got to take ownership over coaching your champion to sell to CFOs, which we talked about at length. But the bigger insight they gave is we as CFOs have a deputized force, which is called FPNA, Financial Planning and Analysis, right? If you're selling to an enterprise account, all of them are going to have an FPNA team, and it's the FPNA team's job to analyze potential purchases the ROI of those purchases, whether they fit in the budget, and if not, how do we flex the budget, and to keep the CFO in the loop in the background. And so how you close that dichotomy between the fact that CFOs don't want to talk to you, but you want to align with CFOs so your deal doesn't get batted down at the end, the key is in aligning with your champion and their FPNA partner at the pivot point in your sales cycle where it makes sense to do that. Right. So, like, if I'm selling people AI or something like that, and I assume you guys might have like a, you know, a proof of concept or a proof of value that you typically run, that's when I'm aligning with FPNA, right? Like, I've built up my champion. He or she wants to move forward with this, at least enough to pull the trigger on a proof of value. And I'm going to say something like, look, <clears throat> what I don't want to have happen is you and me put a bunch of work into this over the next three months or however long it's going to take. You want it. I want it, and the CFO bats this down at the last minute. I've seen this happen a bunch of times. Now, I'm also not naive enough to believe that your CFO is going to agree to meet with me and you right now before we kick this off. What I've seen work is we pull in your FPNA partner into an alignment meeting before we kick off the proof of value, and we align on success criteria, on method of funding, and we basically have a conversation that says if we pull off this proof of value or proof of concept in the way that i'm describing barring an act of god or legal review or procurement negotiations you intend to move forward with this and i'm counting on you to keep the cfo in the loop so that he or she is not surprised when we ask for money is that a fair ask and almost always like if you've sold the value and if you've you've built your champion they're going to agree now if they don't agree like if fp is like, no, oh, we don't have this in the budget at all, that's a good thing. Like you just found out that either that deal is not qualified or more likely you've got some selling and aligning to do before you should be pulling the trigger on a time intensive piece of your sales process, like a proof of value. So closing that, I mean, there's a lot. That goes into selling to CFOs successfully or successfully. <laughs> God, I can't talk today. Uh, closing that dichotomy between you needing access and them not wanting to give you access is probably the most powerful thing you can start to incorporate into your sales process.
1: Yeah, that's great. Do you do you recommend um, reaching out cold to some of these people? Like, let's say if your product can positively impact the finance team, like let's use Gong, for example, because that's where you came from. Like you could argue that Gong could potentially help you with uh, mishires or help you enable your team faster. And that autumn, that would trigger events for the finance team. Like, do you recommend doing that or do you recommend going the approach that you said?
0: I, I think it depends on your intent to reaching out and I, I don't see that working, right? If I'm selling a, a revenue technology or a sales technology or something like that, me reaching out to finance Right. As soon as they know what you do, they're going to be like, this is the CRO's job. And so were you asking from a prospecting point of view or like an expanding your, you know, league of champions and multi-threading further?
1: I guess from my perspective, everybody talks about, you need finance, you need the CFO involved. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to be ambitious and try and get him roped in. So maybe, I don't know if you would say that's a finance or a prospecting thing or building the league of champions, maybe a little bit of both.
0: I would do it through your champion. Cool. Right. Like, and, and that brings us to the definition of a champion, right? Like, if you're meeting with a champion and he or she is not willing to do that, she's probably not a champion. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> you're probably talking to the right. Like, if that person doesn't want your solution or at least doesn't want to evaluate your solution enough
1: yeah. to
0: like rope in the director of FPNA, they're not a champion. I can tell you that they're not. And so I think reaching out to that that person cold, right? Like you don't want to start a sales process with that person. They're not going to do it anyway. Right. You need to get to them through your champion. And if your champion's not willing to broker that introduction even after you have a well articulated talk track as to why you need that, then somewhere in that account you've probably got to find yourself a better champion.
2: So Chris, is this an exercise in champion building? In finance, meaning, let's—is the goal to build a champion on the FPNA side, or is the goal to check a box with your champion on the process to
0: getting a deal done? It's somewhere in between that. It is okay. not, you're you're not trying to turn uh, finance into a champion, right? right. Again, unless you're selling a finance product, right? You are trying to align with them that's, that's bigger than check a box. Yeah. Right. Because like, if you have an alignment meeting and you're like, all right, this is going to cost $500,000. We've aligned on the business case. We agree on it. Barring an act of God, legal review, procurement, negotiations, you intend to purchase this. If they say yes, that box is still not permanently checked. It's a good sign, but like you better be spot checking them regularly because this world shifts underneath our feet as we're running deals. And so the, the word I would use is alignment. It's not champion development. It's not checking a box. It is alignment and continual realignment.
2: Okay. So alignment and, con, um, what was it? Alignment and continual. Realignment. Realignment. Okay. I've got my deal. We talked about potentially doing Let's a little do it. Deal. I'm going to
0: the hell out it. you on this thing. Let's <laughs> do it. <laughs> we're,
2: we're at, literally last day of Q1 today, uh, Friday the 28th. I've got a deal for Q2. I've got my mutual action plan. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put in alignment with FPNA. Mm-hmm. Where in the mutual action plan does this occur? In what stage of the deal? What are the key thi- What are the key items you need to check off the list as you're building your business case, building your champions, identifying pain, really understanding the the positive mm-hmm. business outcomes? Where in the process do you see the best sellers aligning with FPNA,
0: with their champion? Tell me about your sales process and the stages from start to finish, sure. Generally, yeah. And then tell me about the remaining steps you have in this deal specifically.
2: So, at a very high level, stage one is we've identified a pain and a potential path to new revenue. A stage to get to stage two, it's pain confirmed, a potential champion identified, and path to new revenue. Stage three is sort of a technical win. Uh, and we've aligned on success criteria. Stage four is now we're in the scoping and um, sort of timing alignment conversation. Stage five is obviously pricing negotiation. Stage six is we're okay. we're essentially awaiting signature. In this deal that I'm- uh, Hold on, hold on. Before code, we get
0: into the deal, yeah. tell me a little bit more about stage three and stage four. You said technical win for stage three and like alignment and success criteria. Uh, and then stage four is scoping and you mentioned some other things zoom in a little bit on these two stages
2: so so stage three and and frankie jump in here if you want but stage three there's the technical win but there's also the alignment on sort of the business case so it's a technical win that okay this product can solve the pain that we're discussing and can also influence the positive business outcomes that we're uh, striving for so there's alignment with the technical champions but then there's also the let's call it the three whys that take place in in stage three, which is we've confirmed why anything. So if something needs to happen, why your specific products So in this case, it's people AI and why now? And we have checked the box we've confirmed with our champion and maybe even the EB through the champion that, okay, these three, why anything, why people, why now? We've agreed to. So that that's sort of stage three. And then stage four is, okay. who do we want to include in scope here? Are we talking about just North America? Are we talking about all of we sell to sales leaders? So do we want to include just sellers? Do we want to include SEs, BDRs, et cetera? So that would be sort of a very high level of stage three,
0: stage four.
1: And typically that's when you get the executives involved as well to do like an initial readout to them.
0: Mm -hmm. And what does stage four look like? Like you're, you're expanding the scope of people involved. What are you doing as a seller in that stage? So stage four, it's kind
2: of fluid, but I mean, uh, I I think it's, it's, it's a combination of understanding what the budget is, right? Because if budget is capped, that's going to, and you're, you're priced per seat. That's going to limit who we can include in scope. Mm -hmm. If it's more about, um, understanding the pain and, and we have the ability to go like for, a let's call it a global deployment, we want to bring everybody involved. And then we'll discuss pricing because budget is fluid and we're getting to the EB who has discretionary access to funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're kind of navigating that process. And everybody, I think you can imagine is a little
0: different these days. Yeah. So to yeah. me, this falls pretty squarely in stage three. Okay. Right? Because <clears throat> The the point there are a few principles to follow. Number one, you don't want to align with FPNA before you've built a champion, and so like that's your first gate. Like, do you have a champion as defined by like they want your solution and they're willing to at least on your behalf go get other people involved, FPNA sure. economic buyer or otherwise. So that, that's like the first thing. What I also heard, heard in stage three is you're typically talking through the business case. And in some cases, you're even aligning with the economic buyer, either indirectly through your champion, or you know sometimes directly they might be involved. And to me, that's where you do that. Now, if you can get the economic buyer involved, that that's exactly when you get FP&A involved, because you're aligning. I, I imagine this is happening over one meeting, maybe even two. And you're like, here's the business case, here's success criteria, all this. The entire point of me presenting this to you is getting you bought in on whether or not you agree. The rest of the sales process is going to be about proving that we have a pretty good shot of delivering that value. Now I'm not going to go champion this business case. If I don't have alignment that finance agrees with the business case. So that's exactly where you buy them in or bring them in. So it's like, there's probably two principles to think about. Like when you do this, it's after you have a validated champion, and before you're about to go do some proving motion, right? That could have been a proof of concept. It could be championing, championing the business case throughout the organization, whatever your sales process looks like. Typically, this is like 40 to 50% through your typical sales process. I've been typically a lot today. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> Frankie, we have got to add
2: a step to the mutual action
0: plan. Exactly. Yeah, so, I know, I'm like
1: updating in real time for my. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so, so now so now we've spoken generally let's zero in on the deal. Like, what do you have left? Tell us about the deal and the steps you have on the mutual action plan.
2: So this is super relevant for this conversation, which is we have, I mean, I'm very proud of myself in this deal of how high, wide, and deep we've gotten in this account. We've built a groundswell with the entire team. I think what we're struggling with right now is receiving prioritization from the CFO to move forward with this because you you look at a CFO, you look at the the CXO's path for the rest of the year, they've got a list of priorities and initiatives that they have on their docket. And what you we're trying to come in is kind of nudge our way in to say you should really be focused on what we have going on here. We've built the business case and the challenge that we've had is we just we haven't received that prioritization because in order for us to be prioritized, they
0: have to deprioritize something else. Like Why? We, is it, is it, what is the limiting resource? Is it cash? Is it time? Is it a time? Well, I mean, it's,
2: it's, it's a combination of budget because like you said, the CFO, they, they're, they've got everything under a microscope. Number one, number two is this is going to take some time, energy and resources, right? Not a ton, but the, you know, they're going to dedicate folks on technical folks. They're going to dedicate folks on the business side to run this, let's call it a proof of concept. That's going to be time away from something else that they had on their docket through FY 24. Let's
0: stop there for a second and make a quick point. There are a few things that you need to win when it comes to prioritizing with the CFO, it's probably only cash, right? Because like when you're talking about like time, attention, you know, you're going to have to put more technical people on this. Yeah. My guess is that's specific to the revenue organization's priorities. Maybe not, but like the CFO probably doesn't have like unrestricted access to the, these people that he or she is going to deploy throughout different projects, right? The right. CFO is just the purse strings. And so it's worth you getting clear that these priorities are unpacked and different people own them. Prioritization of cash outlay, that's the CFO. Sure. Prioritization of grabbing a bunch of technical folks and deploying them on this, that, or the other—that's probably not the CFO. It could be, but my guess is it's more of like the line of business leader. Great point. Yeah, Frankie, right. this is. The... <laughs> are you, gonna... right, do
2: gonna...
1: you have a deal you want to do? <laughs> are you going to clo- close this deal now, Griff? What's going on here? Come yeah, on, but, but let's keep we're check back. 100 how... percent. Keep going,
0: tell, so me, tell me about the blend of people you have involved, like the buyer personas, you know, CRO, sales leaders, all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. So just, you know, we're talking about the company that Frankie and I work for, People.ai. We sell into the revenue organization. So CRO, everyone under the CRO that reports up into the CRO. So if you look at that, the key personas are you've got RevOps, enablement, and sales leadership. Mm-hmm. Potentially some marketing, marketing ops, but I, I would say the three primary uh, personas are enablement, rev ops, and sales leadership. Mm-hmm. We have, I would say, business and technical champions in each of those lines of business. Mm-hmm. So we're doing a very good job, but what we have not gotten to is the economic buyer. That's the one that's the last person that we haven't gotten to. And not the CFO? It's the vice president of global rev ops. Okay. Yeah.
0: Who owns? Partners. So let's
2: let's put it that way. Maybe that's a good question. He owns the budget. This person, this individual, owns the budget. But who can say no when everybody else says yes? Might be the CFO in this scenario. Who has access to discretionary funds? I couldn't tell you if this this person has access to discretionary funds. I would say this person owns the budget and has the ability to purchase tools like us and has done so in the past for a similar dollar amount. So that's why I've labeled this person as the. EB in this scenario. Hopefully that yeah. helps.
0: I think it's worth getting clear on that. Like, what's the definition yeah. of an economic buyer? Yeah. The way I define it is they have authority to release the funds for a project. And so, one of the questions I would be asking one of my champions is like, it is getting clarity on that, right? Like, does SVP of Global RebOps, can he or she pull the trigger without looking to anybody else? Or are they kind of like a pseudo budget owner, which my guess is the case, like CF, this is just what I've seen in most deals, but they still have to get approval from the CFO, in which case, like now you've got to unpack recommender from approver when it comes to the economic buyers and they play a different role and you're going to have to navigate that accordingly. Who, who is like your highest ranking champion? Like what, what buyer persona? Uh,
2: VP, VP level, VP at all. On the sales enablement ops and sales side, multiple champions on the sales side, business champions, which I think is probably the most important.
0: Okay. And what steps do you plan on taking throughout the rest of the sales process? Like not, not the super fine-grained tactical ones, but like, what are like the key stages and and what do you plan on doing from here to closure?
2: So immediate next step is, I think the ultimate test of a champion is, will they introduce you to the economic buyer? Totally. My champion about a month ago said, "We need Griff. We need to do these key steps, and then I will introduce you to the economic buyer." We have completed said steps. We just went on site on Wednesday. The immediate next step is an introduction, uh, it, hopefully in person, to the economic buyer. So that is, and it's it's end of Q1. So beginning of Q2
0: when you know, schedule introduction to which economic buyer SVP of rev Yeah, exactly. Okay. And what were the steps that you have recently done with this champion that they promised if you delivered on them that they would introduce you?
2: So getting to and getting support from m- multiple champions and supporters on the sales side, I think, you know, y- we can all understand like, f- for Gong, yeah. the last thing that uh, Gong wants, is, or uh, Gong customers or prospects wants is another tool driven by sales officer enablement, and, and it's going to evolve flat, what they need is sales leadership, driving the business case. And so mm-hmm. that was the missing step. We've accomplished that
0: step in the last month is this champion not sales leadership? Is it like enablement or rev ops or something like that? Strategy, sales strategy. Okay. So I think it's hard for me to say this with conviction. I think where I would have tried to align with FPNA is right when they made that ask. Okay. Right. So like what what I probably would have said, and I'm not saying it's too late, like this, yeah. is fine. It's just in a perfect world. If the VP of strategy was like, hey, Um, I'm bullish about this. I'm bullish about people AI. I see the value. This will fail if we don't have sales leadership bought in, which that person is right. Um, So I need you to go do a round of champion development with a bunch of people. Well, what I would have done is I would have said, I am happy to make that investment as long as that investment is reciprocated from you. And what that looks like is I don't want to go spend your VP's time and my time doing this only for the light at the end of the tunnel to be a freight train coming both of our ways. Right. <laughs> and so what this looks like, I guess he or she's not going to want to talk to me. I want to align with FPNA and then make your case as to why that is. So that like, if we go through this motion, do we have a better shot than not of actually getting a deal done? Cause right. again, I'm happy to invest this time. And I'm sure your VPs and you are happy to lend the time. But if we don't have any line of sight as to like this working after we go through all of that, then I don't think it's worth anybody's time. That's what I would have done.
2: All right. I'll see you guys later. I got to make some phone calls.
0: No, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'll, I'll stop putting you on the hot seat. No, I'm I love it. This is,
2: the, I mean, this seat. is a free deal review from, uh, uh, legend like, uh, this is great. So I appreciate it. Yeah.
0: So, so, but like the point here and the principle that you can replicate into other deals is when buyers and champions start to get serious about evaluating your product, Right, they are going to have asks of you that yeah. are time consuming. Right. And that is your trigger point to ask for alignment from finance. And the talk track, like you can, I, I have a very direct, almost like abrasively blunt sales style. So figure out what works for you. Yeah. But to me, that's the trigger point. And it's like, happy to make this investment. I just need to know that the investment is going to be reciprocated. What that looks like is alignment with your fp a partner that you more or less intend to move forward with this. If we're successful in doing what you're asking me to do. Right, like th- this is going to be time-consuming for me. It's going to be time-consuming for you. So as long as we feel like there is a pretty strong intent to purchase this, um, and we're aligning with FPNA and finance up front, so we're not blindsided, then let's do it. Let's pull the trigger.
1: That's yeah, right Go ahead, Frankie. No, I think I think it's a good point that you make, Chris. I like I like your style around it's it's a give get scenario and i think a lot of times as mm-hmm. sellers we we just run we're, around kind of our
0: favorite golden retriever somebody yeah. throws and let's go get it
1: <laughs> totally and i mean i'm like as guilty as ever for that but like as i progress in my career you know the deals that go the fastest the deals that are the biggest are when i'm partnering with them and saying hey if i do this then i need this from you because ultimately you need to be guiding your your champion your buyers the whole way through so I don't think it's an abrasive. I just think it's it's something that we don't do enough as sellers. So that's it also
0: point. it communicates that like you're an authoritative person totally. who like deserves to be taken seriously. Like, and, and let's rewind a few months, Griffin. Like, imagine you went back in time, and you had this alignment conversation with the VP of Sales Strategy, and that person was like, "No, like that, that doesn't make. I'm not going to introduce you to our Director of FP&A." my stomach would be sinking about that deal's forecastability, No, right? Because that's not a big ask. I'm not asking for access to the CFO. Right. I'm asking for access to a deputy of the CFO who has insight into the CFO's likes, dislikes, budget, how they think about ROI. That's all I'm asking for. And if you can't give me that, like, and you're asked why are you even asking me to go talk to all these VPs? If like, we don't want to align on whether this is a fundable project, before we both spend a bunch of time on it, yeah, yeah, right. absolutely. I
2: think that you know we preach, Frankie and I preach, so much of sales, especially in enterprise strategic sales, is getting to the right people within the right accounts in the right stages. And I think I don't know, Frankie, I've I've kind of ignored the office of the CFO until late in the you know late in the stage. I I see procurement representing the office of the CFO, but I think to Chris's point, like this is this needs to become a consistent step in our process let's call it stage three to engage FpNA and that's a key persona that we need to understand in stage one who that person is not saying we need yeah. to reach out to them or get connect with them immediately but who is that person so
1: yeah so helpful. okay I want to make sure we double click on this so we highlighted at the beginning you need the FPNA you sit down for that meeting grip grips champion has given you access you schedule the meeting grips going into that meeting let's call it next week what what are you talking about in that meeting like what does he need to prepare for like what should the conversation be what what's the objective of that like give us that breakdown
0: well who do you who do you guys think is in that meeting
1: champion for sure Mm -hmm. the you know the director obviously the fpna person um and you and yeah of course you
0: yeah. And what have you done up until this point?
1: Um, I mean, I'd hope that you've aligned on on the business value. You probably have some type of ROI. Um, you have you have success criteria. You have metrics. You have everything kind of laid out as much as possible. And mm-hmm. you're you're presenting the case and bringing them in almost as a financial champion.
0: I don't have to talk. I mean, yeah, that, that's what it is, is like the objective of the meeting is you've done a bunch of homework and you are going to get finance bought in on that homework to align with them that like again barring some like unpredictable thing that happens does it feel like we have a solid fundable business case i'm not asking you to buy right now i'm asking you to drive alignment on intent to move forward okay like there are other things that can prevent us from moving forward so in that meeting right let's say it's the director of fpna i've got my vp sales strategy champion side by side i'm walking that fpna partner through some of the high level things that we've done that they would need to know to understand whether or not they can fund this right like here's the definition of the business problem we've talked to this person this person this person to understand that it should be it should look very unique to their company here are the financial ramifications we want to check out with you, given that you work in finance, whether you think like, give us a sanity check, right? Um, here's the success criteria for what we're about to do moving forward. And here's what this thing is going to cost. Mm -hmm. And what we're trying to get a sense of is if we are successful achieving this success criteria, and if you agree with the business problem and the financial ramifications and knowing this is going to cost $500,000 or whatever, Does this feel like a project that you can green light to evaluate not purchase yet? I will become knocking or come knocking for that later, but like you just be clear with them. My intent is to not get smacked in the face six months from now by your CFO. (laughs) Yeah. And is that going to happen or is this like a valid project we should be evaluating?
2: So let's say you have that conversation with your champion as your reasoning to engage fpna you mm-hmm. want to lay out your intentions and lay out the process so that we don't uh have that conversation with the cfo where they shut it down at the last minute mm-hmm. i am a very trusting person and that's a good and a bad thing especially in sales so so my point in saying <laughs> hey, that is wow. bad, my point yeah. is, <laughs> my point in saying that is you know i'm i hear that and i it sounds great to get to fpna but my champion if they were to come back and say Griff, my person in FPNA, I got you. They're my brother in law. I talk to them every day. I've talked to them. You're golden. You're golden. Mm-hmm. We don't need to have that conversation. It's already taken. do have care a of. champion. Uh-huh. So, okay. So, my, my point is, you know, how do you handle that? Do you say, okay, that's great? Or do you ask them, you drill in some questions and just I kind would of test them.
0: Right? I would test them. I would say, that's okay, how, so did you talk to them and ter- like say it in a trusting way? Right, like, right, right, right. The way I'm coming across right now is very much like detective with a light in your face. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, but I would ask him, I'm like, look, let me just validate this because I've i I've gone through this cycle, I've heard this a lot, and these deals have still fallen through. Yeah. And so what did your conversation with FPNA sound like? And if they start throwing back specifics at you, you might be good because the point isn't to align with F P N A that's a means to an end the the point is to align with the CFO and their intent to purchase sure. and so really if you think of F P N A they're a liaison they're usually the best liaison but sometimes that can be your champion right like if you're selling to like the CRO and they're like dude i have a weekly one on one with our CFO uh, and we've talked about this at length fine why do i need to talk to F P N A then
1: yeah
0: so this is another thing I learned from interviewing all these CFOs is they will be really hard on champions who haven't done any homework and they will be far more lenient on the champions that have done a ton of homework. They've thought about the business case. They've thought about the problem. They've even thought about what spend they can cut from their function. They've thought about the return on investment and whether they're willing to take on additional burden on their PNL to fulfill that investment. And so like, I think it's a big, without coming across as like you don't trust your champion you've got to kind of test them right like how did this conversation go and if they're just kind of like brushing you off like don't worry about it don't worry about it my spidey sentences would be tingling a little bit if they can come back with specifics fine but those are my thoughts
1: it's all about it's all about how you position it like you said if you're a detective trying to do a deal review with your champion they're going to get pissed off but if you're saying, hey, I've done 10 of these deals in the last year, six months, and this is how it goes down. If we have FP&A involved, and if we don't, here's the differences, then hopefully yeah. they lean in a little bit more. I wanted to ask you a very specific question around ROI. How has ROI changed in the last six months where we talked about, I can't remember if it was before we jumped on, but it was productivity, higher at all costs. Now I'm, you know, it's completely flipped. So talk us through that.
0: There's so many different things you could talk about when it comes to roi um the first thing like the most fundamental thing is like your roi analysis or your business case needs to be authored by your champion right so that that's like the the biggest piece of advice i could give anybody is like if the cfo gets some documents slid across her desk and it's clear that it's like it's like industry data or it was written by you as a seller they're not even going to take a second look at it it has to be based on company data um and it has to ideally be authored by your champion so that's the first piece the second piece is a little more counterintuitive than i thought right like i thought like the bigger the better roi right like that's what they care about i'm going to show a five year projection because the number is going to be bigger and better over that span of time and CFOs right now have an allergic reaction to that. They go, great, like that's a massive ROI. That's a huge risk for me to pull the trigger on all of this, um, assuming that we're actually going to materialize that ROI. And so they're not averse to seeing long-term benefits, but they want to see quick wins because it's less risk, right? If they're like, all right, your solution, if we deploy this broadly, and I know sellers don't want to hear this because they want to take down the big deal immediately, but if they're like, if this is going to cost 500 grand, but we can test it for 100 grand, and in six months we'll see this, and in 12 months we'll see this, and then can decide whether or not we want to redeploy to everybody, that's a big win. And so the third thing I would say is like, make sure you don't confuse ROI with business priority, which I actually think was one of the things you were asking, which is like, how do I position ROI? You position ROI similarly to, you know, across all priorities, what you're really asking is like, what kind of priorities get on the CFOs radar at all in this economic environment, and then ROI comes after. So right, like right now, they're very concerned with cost reduction. If you have something that can reduce costs, you're in a good spot. Uh, they're concerned with what I would call productivity, and the way I define productivity is getting more out of their PNL without having to spend more. Or if they do spend more, the numbers that get thrown onto the top of the income statement or the bottom are far bigger. So, so this is uh, I'm kind of riffing right now, but I'm going to go down like a few different rabbit holes. Um, one of the biggest mistakes champions make when they're presenting ROIs to CFOs is they don't present a net improvement to the profit and loss statement, right? So like time-saving tools are super guilty of this, right? Like if you're like, hey, I'm gonna sell you something that can save your organization hundred hours a month and it's gonna cost hundred thousand dollars. The CFO is gonna go, cool, so are you willing to increase your quota? Or increase some other number you're on the hook for or decrease your headcount. Because if all I do is add a hundred thousand dollars to my PNL's expense line item, and you guys have a bunch of free time, but you're not on the hook for delivering more with that free time, I've deteriorated my PNL. That's all I've done. Right? So like net improvement to the PNL is the name of the game. Now you guys are selling a revenue tool right? And I would imagine the business case you're going to make is more revenue. So it's a little bit more straightforward for you, right? Spend $100,000, make 500000 or whatever, spend a million dollars, make 5 million. The challenge with selling revenue is you have to make sure it's not a fuzzy argument, right? Like CFOs are willing to invest in growing revenue efficiently right now. That's a distinction between just growing revenue.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But like, your business case and your argument for how you're going to deliver on that is going to be bulletproof, right? It can't be like some LinkedIn widget where you're like, yeah, we're going to like grow your, <laughs> grow your revenue with some like button that you push on LinkedIn or something like that. You're too many steps removed. Yeah. But like, if you can say like, Hey, we've thought about a range of ROI. We get that like increasing revenue is tough to predict, but like, here's our argument. Here's our path to making that happen. We realize there's a lot of risk in this not happening because increasing revenue is the single most unpredictable part of business. But here's the plan. Here's the path. And here's our value realization plan, which is basically a post sale mutual action plan that you put together that your champion and your head is on the chop- chopping block for delivering. That's another thing a CFO is going to say is like, if I spend this money, I'm not gonna forget this conversation, right? You guys are promising the world here. Are you willing to put your head on a chopping block for that? And we're mostly talking about your champion here, not you, because if you're a salesperson, you're like, totally, yeah, just sign here and I'm gonna pass you over to the, your CSM after that. Is your champion willing to be held accountable for the ROI that you're promising? Yeah. And sometimes that just might be, are they willing to perform? Sometimes it might be, are they willing to reduce their headcount plans? And sometimes it might be, yes, I'm willing to increase my quota because I am that confident that we're going to deliver far more return than the quota increase I'm taking on. Well,
2: Frankie, I think Chris gave us a new slogan for our company. I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want anybody to steal it. But uh, listeners, go back to that that last rant. There's a there's a slogan in there that I'm going to steal for for our company and in my pitches. So. Chris, uh, we could go for another hour talking about this topic because Frankie and I, you know, just navigating our deals when we go out and pipeline generate, this is so so relevant. But as we sort of uh, wrap, I, I do have one question around resources to get a little bit more understanding and knowledge of this topic and put yourselves in the mind of a CFO. Like you could start with a 10K of the prospect that you're uh, or your customer that you're going after, what sort of resources do you recommend for sellers to just start thinking about this a little bit more efficiently?
0: I mean, 10 K is a good start. Like the best thing you can do is build trust with a champion who has a lot of insight into how their organization is operating and get them to a point where they see you as being on the same side of the table as them. So they're willing to spill the beans Mm -hmm. and share data with you that you can build a business case off like champion development is probably champion development and crafting a business case. Those are probably the most important skills in selling through today's economy.
1: That's great. Tell us, uh, Chris, a little bit about your own personal resources, what you've been up to, what you're building, because I find so much value in what you do. People need to hear it.
0: I have the most fascinating job in the sales world right now. And so I run a company called P short for president's club. And the thesis of P club is we do online courses with the top 1% of sales practic- practitioners in the world. Right? So we'll take like, I mean, we've, we've got one of the most prolific CROs in the world, doing a course with us on frontline management. Um, I'll give you a hint. I'm not going to say his name yet, but we have a guy who is known for closing mega deals, doing a course with us on selling to power. And so I get to work with all these like anti-gurus. They're not gurus at all. They're like proven practitioners and we make online courses and we share that knowledge with both sellers. And a lot of companies have joined uh, and jumped on board to um get you know total access to all these courses to like train their sales teams on um you know drift is a company that's working with us data ai hubspot um so i'm having a blast like i get to work with all these guys and gals on like these courses we agree on topics and it's it's the most fun i've ever had in my career so check if that's interesting to you check out pclub.io, pclub.io, p-c-l-u-b.io and just go check it out love it
1: We're just out here griff
0: So
2: Chris, we like to, we like to wrap these episodes the same, uh, the same way. And it's with a consistent question. Uh, how would you define an elite seller?
0: I would say somebody who has a personal goal, it's specific and they're exceeding it, right? Like you could be selling bar management software to like local bars. And if you had a goal, you had like a drive and an aspiration for how much money you want to make or how much impact you want to have on your customers and you're meeting or exceeding that, to me, you're an elite seller. The other thing I would say is somebody who's continually uh, improving their game and mastering their craft, right? Th- those are always the people who win in the long term, people who take new knowledge and they reduce the time between new knowledge and action very, very rapidly. In fact, I'll leave you with one more thought. There was this... uh study done in the 90s by a university. And I can't find the study anywhere. So don't ask me. It's probably a legend rather than a real study, but it's so good that I don't want to like invalidate it. I can't even remember where I heard this. And this university did a study of all salespeople in the United States that made $250,000 per year or more. Today, that's decent money. Back then that was like insanely good money. So these were like elite sellers and they were trying to figure out what is the you know common characteristics that $250,000 earners have and they couldn't find anything right different personalities different habits different skills except for one thing and they called it speed of implementation and it was they would reduce the time between learning something and using that thing on a real sales call or a deal right they shrunk that delta between learning and action. And that's the only commonality they can find between these top producing salespeople. And so the call to action for everybody here is if you learn something on this podcast, go get the marbles out of your mouth, right? Go use it as soon as you can. It's probably going to be clunky the first couple times you use it. And that's fine. That's how we learn. Um, but don't sit here and passively just listen to this on some sunny Friday and, and think you're better off for it because you're not. You're not until you actually start using this to close more deals and make your customers successful.
1: Yeah, I love that you said it's, it's about learning and growing, because what this economy is doing is it's creating all the bad habits we created as sellers, and it's <laughs> finding a light on how to be excellent and how to be great. And I truly believe that even if, when, not if, when the economy picks back up, because it will eventually, that this motion of being excellent with the CFO, FP&A, it's not going to go away. You might be able to get away with with not doing it, but the best sellers are going to always include them. Do you agree with that?
0: Well, it's like that Frank Sinatra quote or song where he's like, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And he's referring to like the music business in New York City. This this is the same thing. If you can sell in this economy and if you can sell to CFOs or through to CFOs, then you'll be able to make it out anywhere because it's just going to get easier the more the economy picks up.
2: Chris thank you for your time this is incredible we appreciate it happy Friday we'll let you go and uh, and again if our listeners want to connect with you uh, we'll, we'll recommend they reach out on LinkedIn and uh, and uh, appreciate you jumping on
0: yeah thanks guys
1: thank you
2: Chris, thank you for taking time to jump on today's episode. Appreciate the little mini deal review. Uh, I've got some some next steps I need to uh, to take, so appreciate appreciate your time. Some key takeaways from today's episode. Let's get into it. Number one, I think so, selling to CFOs is a skill that sell, all sellers need to develop in 2023. Uh, in addition, 99% of the time, you're probably not actually the one talking to the CFO. It's going to be your champion talking to the CFO. So it's Your job to enable your champion with the resources uh, and and the you know let's call it the documents, the ROI, everything that they need to go have the successful conversation with the CFO and the persona of FPNA, the FPNA person, whoever that might be needs to be engaged and it's a great way to test your champion throughout your deal cycle in my case it's stage three by asking for an intro right and really pushing for that introduction to make sure you are aligned that's the key if you want to check out more from chris go look at uh, go go connect with him on linkedin check out pclub.io chris thanks again great session